0: Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. So we encourage you to share your story with us at info fellowshipgj.com or by clicking the Share Your Story tab on the Church Center app. Also, if God is using this ministry to impact you, we wanna encourage you to partner with us financially. You can do that by clicking on the giving link located in the description of this video online at fellowshipgj.com or if you're a member here at Fellowship Church, you can give through our Church Center app. This will help us continue to bring this message of Christ to our community and beyond. Again, thank you for joining us, and enjoy today's service.
1: Good morning, Fellowship Church. How many of you come to worship God this morning? How many of you come to worship God this morning? If that's you, just raise your hands right now. We worship you, Jesus. We come before you with high praises, Lord God. We thank you for who you are and what you're doing in our lives, God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, Lord. Come on, give him a shout of praise right now.
2: Today is a very special Sunday. We are going to bring forth the babies and uh, young children that we are dedicating to the Lord. So, if you have. Um, signed up for this process, or if you are a prayer counselor, please come make your way down front, and we are going to bless these children. This is such a beautiful opportunity for us as a church family. What we are saying is that we together will help these families raise their children in a way that honors and pleases God. We're promising that we're gonna have the kind of children's ministry and youth ministry programs that is gonna help them to raise up these kids to know Jesus. And these parents are making a huge commitment as well. They are saying that they're gonna raise these children to love and serve the Lord, They're asking for God's blessing, God's protection over their children, and it's such a beautiful and powerful moment. Now, remember that this is not the same as salvation. This is not this, um, children are already uh, beloved by God, and these children are completely protected from a spiritual standpoint, and later on when they're young, a little bit older, they're going to make that decision to follow Christ themselves and be baptized, and that'll be another exciting day, but this is a beautiful day where we as a church family and these parents are making this commitment so we are going to continue to worship the Lord together grandmas and grandpas come on down take pictures this is your moment to kind of celebrate as well so we'll have this beautiful time here while the rest of our church family worships together for each one of these families dedicating their children to the Lord this morning Jesus we thank you for each precious child presented here this morning, we pray that each one of these young children would come to know you as their Lord and Savior as they grow up, that they would choose to follow you from a very young age, that they would love you with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. We ask that you would protect them as they grow, that you protect them mentally and emotionally and physically, Jesus, that you would put the right friends into their lives, that the wrong influences, the negative influences wouldn't come near them. We pray that no bullies would touch them. We pray in Jesus' name, a complete protection. We pray for their husband or wife someday, that they too would be protected and come to know you as their Lord and Savior. We ask for wisdom to be poured out on each one of these parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles in Jesus' name, that they would have insight into the way that they raised this child and that you would cause this young person to love you for all the days of their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Church. Thank you for who you are, for what you've done for us, for the authority that you've given us, for calling us your kids, God, thank you. And right now, in the name of Jesus, we just speak your name over every circumstance. We speak the name of Jesus over our families. We speak the name of Jesus over our situations right now. Jesus. just give everything over to you we surrender it all to you in Jesus powerful name amen amen church but if you haven't already go ahead make your way back to your seats show yourselves friendly here in Jesus' house this morning and we have a few things to take a look at what we've got going on here at fellowship church
0: Good morning and welcome to Fellowship Church. If you're a guest or a visitor here, we would love to have a record of you being here and get you some more information about Fellowship Church. So whether you're watching online or you're here with us in the auditorium, we would love to be able to invite you to a guest reception that's going to be coming up here in the next few weeks, as well as give you a gift for being a part of our services today. If you are visiting with us in the services, swing by the information counter and fill out a visitor's card. When you do that, you'll receive a free specialty drink to our coffee shop also you'll be given some more information about the church if you don't want to do that and you would like to use your smartphone you can text the word fellowship to ninety-four thousand. when you do that you'll be given a link over to more information about the church but thank you for choosing fellowship church we know that you've passed up a lot of other churches to be a part of our church family and we thank you for that Now we're gonna continue to worship with the giving of tithes and offerings. I hope you've come prepared today to give back to the Lord uh, with the worship of giving of tithes and offerings. And as you get ready to do that, let me say a prayer of blessing over you. God, we love you and we thank you for everything you've done in our life. We praise you, Lord, for the blessings that you've given us. And Lord, we thank you that, that you want to bless us Thank you, Lord, that you've given us an opportunity to be able to give back to you, even though it's just a a portion in what has been uh, given to us. And so, Lord, we pray now that you bless us like only you can, that you unlock the windows of blessing uh, upon ourselves and our families. And I pray, Lord, that everything that would come in today would be to your honor and glory. And we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you as you give, as you do give this morning. You know that there's many ways that you can do that, whether it's through the Church Center app, Uh, You can also give online or you can send your offerings in here at Fellowship Church. Drop them off during the week or you can also text tithe. Well, we have all kinds of awesome things happening here at Fellowship and great opportunities for you to serve the Lord. The first of which is Sharefest. Sharefest is a ministry that we've been involved with for 16 years here at Fellowship. And it's incredible to see the work that God does through our hands. And as a church family, we join with 31 other churches in the valley. We go out and we take on service projects for those in need. And for you to be able to sign up for this is super easy. And it's a great way to show the love of Christ in a practical way. If you go into the lobby, you'll notice we have some gray boards set up. Many projects are on those boards and most of those projects are projects that you can do just in one day, maybe a few hours. It's it's yard work, it's maybe servicing a swamp cooler, something that's super simple for us, but harder for those in need. And so if you would like to be a part of ShareFest this year, we would really, really love for you to help us out. So go to those boards right after the service, choose a project, a leader will be in touch with you, and you'll be able to go out on the 30th and bless somebody with the love of Christ. Make sure you take advantage of doing that today. Super Kids Conference is coming up July 22nd through the 24th, and this is a save the date opportunity for you to make sure you mark it in your calendars. It's for your children, grades 2nd through 5th and it will be an incredible opportunity for them to come and learn more about Jesus as well as connect with other friends and have a blast. Last year's Kids Conference was so much fun. We're going to be going to the pool, we're going to be doing all kinds of games and we're going to be teaching the love of Christ and changing kids' lives just in a few days and so we really, really want you to be a part of that. So make sure you save the day. Now guys, if you love our music ministry, and you love our worship, you also love our choir. And if you would like to be a part of our choir, know that we're signing people up, we're getting people involved, and it is a great way to meet others, but most of all, worship our Heavenly Father. Here's another special that they've been working on just for you.
3: You know, people might say a lot of things about Fellowship Church, but no one will say Fellowship Church is boring. I grew up doing boring now. I was born into and lived the first 12 years of my life in the most boring state on the planet, Indiana. When I was 12 years of age, my parents moved us to Orlando, Florida, which was much, much better. But Indiana, boring. You ask me, what do you remember as a 12-year-old boy leaving Indiana, I I remember two things, cornfields. Cornfields were everywhere and basketball goals. If there were kids living in a neighborhood in the state of Indiana, you can bet your life that there was going to be a basketball goal attached to the side of the house just above their garage door. Either that or there's going to be one out on a pole beside their dirt rock or asphalt uh, driveway, but there was going to be basketball goals in the neighborhood. It was so cool back then because that was the common denominator. Indiana was about basketball, and we played, and we played a lot. You could be walking through the neighborhood, a couple of boys playing a game, and uh, they'd holler at you, hey, can you play? (laughs) Yeah, I can play. Well, come on over. The, The uniform of the day was shirts and skins. It didn't matter. It was 45 degrees out. Somebody's going to be shirts. Somebody's going to be skins. And the game was going to be played. Friendships broke loose with complete strangers over the game of basketball. Now, at the age of 12, when we moved to Florida, I thought, you know, it's going to be exciting and fun. I went on down to the local, which was called a boys club then, the YMCA, to be able to jump into a game there in the gym. And, uh, the, the kids were, now I thought this, I thought I want to show these Florida boys how an Indiana boy hoops. That was my intentions. But when I walked into the gym, there were coaches that were working with their players and they were running all kind of drills, suicides, dribbling with the left hand, dribbling with the right hand, hit the line, turn, control the ball, come back to the line, the next line, and then, just, then so forth. And then they would run, they would run, all, they'd run the weave, the weave, full, court fast break all the way to the end turn around quickly full court fast break all the way back and they do it again and again and again they would run they would run the figure eight they would they would shoot uh, foul shots over and over again they'd run the layup drills until they were completely exhausted and i didn't want any part of that <laughs> i wanted to play the game i didn't want to learn the game Now that's the same thing that's true when it comes to love and relationship. We wanna play the game, but do we wanna learn the game? I wanna live with a woman because that looks fun, but do I wanna learn how to live with a woman? You might wanna live with a man because he can do stuff, he can fix stuff, he's good, he's strong, but do you wanna learn how to live with a man? You see, the fundamentals were something that the coaches were teaching the kids. The fundamentals of the game is where you learn the game. You might be able to play the game, and oh, guys, listen, I look like I could play the game. I had my Converse hot top tennis shoes on. I had matching basketball short with matching jersey, matching wristbands with a matching headband, and back in the late 70s, early 80s, that was cool. I looked like I could play but I never learned how to play. Many families and couples look good on Instagram. They look good on Facebook posts, but behind the scene, men not be doing good. Why, same principle. Maybe it's because you wanna play in the relationship, the family thing, but you've never learned how. Why is it when it comes to loving and living with a woman, we are expected to know how to do this Before we learn how to do this well this is what Hosea was talking about in the scripture notice with me Hosea chapter 4 verse 6 the Bible says my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge because you have rejected knowledge it's not only that you lack knowledge you don't want to learn knowledge is what he's saying So what what, what we're talking about here is that there are many of us that want to have a great life. We want to do the things that we want to do. We want to experience things that are wonderful. We want to have a great marriage relationship. We want to be a good husband, be a good wife. But there are fundamentals that we have to learn. And when we learn them, man, everything seems to go much, much better. When somebody wants to play the game and not know how to learn the game, it's going to be costly. This is what Hosea is saying. Hosea, look at the side of the He's saying this, ignorance is expensive. Whatever area that you are ignorant in, you're gonna suffer in. If you're ignorant in the way or the area of handling money, you're gonna suffer when it comes to your finances. If you're ignorant in a way of putting a good work ethic into the workplace, you're gonna suffer when it comes to your workplace experience. If you're ignorant when it comes to people skills and and relational intelligence, you are gonna suffer socially when it comes to your relationships. Ignorance is always going to be... And take a look at this one. Good intentions will never substitute for good information. Well, I want to do this, and I hope that I can do that, and I wish that this was, you know, a little better than it is. Well, that's a good intention, but without good information, it's not going to work. And then I love this one. Having a good heart will never make up for having an empty head. I like that one right there. Because we are supposed to be winning. And if we're supposed to be winning in our relationships, why are you fouling your own teammate? If you're supposed to be winning when it comes to your family and your family is a team, why is it that you and your mate are wrestling over the same ball? The ref is not going to blow the whistle so that you two can play jump ball. You're on the same team. And the problem is when that happens, you begin to look bad as a couple, look bad as a team. You begin to play bad and more importantly than that, you won't have any fun at this anymore. And there's only one explanation and that is not that you don't love each other. The explanation is more on the ignorant side. The explanation is a lack of knowledge. Now since God is the creator, since he's the designer, since he's the architect of relationships, he knows how to make our relationships work. And he wants us to know. And since ignorance is expensive and Christ is our coach, I wanna give you five biblical fundamentals to use in every relationship. And these principles are gonna be tied into phrases that have to do with the game of basketball just for fun. Now, here's what you gotta promise me, okay? In these next four weeks, as we talk about love and basketball, we are taking a very difficult subject, which is relationships between men and women, and we are trying to put a very lighthearted spin on it. Now, here's the problem with that. If you have ever been in a relationship that has gone bad, "Ah, let me change that. There is nothing that causes more damage and more hurt and more disappointment and more heartache and heartbreak to a person's life than that of a relationship. If a relationship goes bad in one way or the other, promises are broken, or, or then, then you will find out, oh no, this is not what I thought it was gonna be, and there is a great amount of pain to it. But if the relationship is good, there is nothing, watch me now, that brings more joy to your life than that of a great relationship. So here's what I need you to do. I need everybody to take a big old deep breath, come on and relax. Don't get tense. Don't get upset. Don't throw any elbows to a rib cage. Don't do any of that. I want to make sure that we just, and help me, help me keep this light. Help me keep this fun. And let's make sure that we can gather some great knowledge and some great information through these next few weeks. But let me pray. Father, we love you so very, very much. What a special service this is. Lord God, thank you for the wonderful families that came dedicating their children to you. Father, I thank you so much for each one of them. A lot of visitors, a lot of guests in here today, and Father, I pray that regardless of uh, uh, what their background might be, regardless, Father, of how relationships are, I pray that you would just please, 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 I pray that you bring healing, I pray that you bring laughter, I pray that you bring joy, and it begins with this, understanding, we know that. So we don't want to be ignorant. We don't want, Father, not to have the knowledge we need to make a relationship work. We don't want to play the game without learning the game. Father, we ask that you would give us wisdom, you give us knowledge, you give us understanding. And Father, please use me today. I love these people so much. You've you've entrusted these people with the ministry of this church, with the pastors here, with friendships here. And what an honor that you would do that. So we we don't take that for granted. Thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, the first fundamental goes to the single people that are in the room. All you single people get this. Here's the first fundamental. You got to get it, and you got to get it down. Pick the right teammate. Every married person in here can tell you the second most critical decision that you will ever make in this life. After you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you know you have on forever in heaven, is who you are going to partner with for the rest of your life. Your pick is important. Pick the right teammate. I heard about this, this guy who invited a friend to come and have lunch with him. And uh, the friend hadn't seen him for a long time. And when he got there, he said, hey, hey, man, I heard you got married. And the guy said, yeah, yeah, I did get married. And his friend said, well, you're wearing your wedding ring on the wrong finger. And he said, well, I married the wrong woman. Okay, see, you don't know whether to laugh at that or not laugh at that. Some of you, right? That joke was Anna approved, by the way. I made sure she was okay with that before I said it. But that pick is important. We're picky about everything. You women are picky about who cuts your hair. We're picky about who works on our car. We're picky about who fixes our food. If we're going to a church function, everybody's bringing food, we wanna know, when we open up those, those, those mac and cheese, we pull the foil back, what do we say? Who made this? God, there is crazy cat lady over there. I'm not eating this. Am, am I right though? We are picky. We concentrate and we think about all kinds of things when it comes to making decisions. That's volition. That's the biblical word, volition. But when it comes to our mates and who we're going to give our heart to, hmm, some of us have made some major mistakes in that. Maybe not even in a marriage relationship, but who you date, who you waste time with, who you waste money with, who you hang with in your circle of friends, who you hang with at the workplace. And nothing the Bible say about this. The Bible says in Proverbs, Proverbs, when we get this set up, Proverbs chapter. Uh, one, I think it is. The Bible says in verse three guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. Guard your heart above all else because it determines the course of your life. And when you're talking about getting into an intimate relationship with a person for a very, very long period of time, hopefully for the rest of your life, when marriage, then that pick is important. And for some people in the room and sisters, please listen to me. I love you. Listen to your big brother for a minute. If you've been hurt, and most of you have, this verse does not say wall your heart. It said guard your heart. Don't wall it, gate it. Gate it. You know what you can do at a gate? You can stand at a gate and talk to another person on the other side of that gate. I don't know you well enough to open this gate up and let you into my heart. That's a very important decision. I know it could cause a lot of pain or a lot of joy. So I need to ask you some questions. Do you like dogs? Do you like cats? What if I had a cat? Would you like a cat? What are your parents like? What are your siblings like? Who do you hang with at work? What's your work ethic? How do you deal with your money? Are you a generous person? And you say, well, is this an interview or is this an interrogation? It is both. Because you're about to open a gate and invite them into your heart. And if you might bring that wrong person in, it is going to be extremely expensive for everyone involved. And the cool thing about a gate is if you make a mistake, you can tell them this, I'm gonna let you a little in. I'm a single mom, so you're just gonna get a foot inside this gate, that's all you're gonna get. I'm gonna watch you, I'm gonna keep an eye on you, and we're gonna take this thing slow. Now you can come in a few more feet. But if I see anything I don't like or that causes me to have caution, I am going to walk you right back to that same gate I let you in, and I'm going to escort you out before there's been too much of this invested in this. Woo! But don't wall the gate, leave the gate there. But just make it something that you can easily bring them in and you can easily send them on their way. Now, if this wasn't an important thing, take a look at this, in Genesis, let me just tell you about it. First of all, in Genesis, there's a man by the name of Abraham. He's got a son by the name of Isaac. This was when marriages were arranged. Now, if this pick was not so important, Abraham would have told his son Isaac, yeah, Go find somebody you think looks good and marry him, it's fine. But he did not say that. He says this in Genesis chapter 24, verses three, concerning who his son was married. Talking to a servant, he said, I want you to swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and earth, that you will not allow my son to marry one of these local Canaanite women. I almost said California women. I almost right, I almost did it right there no offense, no offense. No offense. In other words, what was he saying? Don't get one from here. No, no, these women are Canaanites. They are Baal worshipers. They're not worshipers of the living God. We don't connect on that level. They worship a little G God. They don't worship God, the Father. So do not let my son marry one of these women. Now, isn't that interesting? So when it comes to the pick, the pick matters so much that there was a whole region that Abraham said, don't get your wife from this place. I can't tell you the number of times that I've had a young man or a young woman meet me in the lobby or maybe not so young. And they'd say to me, "Uh, pastor, I've met somebody, I'm going to get married. I'm like, man, that's great. I'm glad you're going to... You're gonna marry that? Get married? That's cool. I said, and I always ask him. They know I'm gonna ask him. Uh, uh, is he a Christian? Well, his parents, you know, went to a Catholic church. I know when he was young. Yeah, I didn't ask about that. Well, I have one tell me one time. I said, Hey, is he a Christian? I said no. But after, you know, after we get married, you know, I'm gonna to try to bring him here. You know. I'm like, man, you let them way too far inside the gate those questions should have been settled on that side of the gate because the pick matters and the wrong pick gets extremely expensive not just for you listen listen sister for your mom your dad your siblings your friends and everybody else you're bringing him into and everybody you bring a crazy canaanite woman into are going to have to pay for that decision you make you got to be picky when it comes to who you're going to do the rest of your life with. Now, for those of us that are married, fundamental number two, pass the ball. Do not be a ball hog. I know that you have been used to doing your life your way, handling your own money, making all of your decisions without anybody's input, deciding you're going to buy this car, you're going to buy this truck, you're going to work here, you're going to live there. And now you have brought a woman into your life. And that will become the last decision that you will ever make. My name is Dan. I'm married. My last decision was six months ago. <laughs> Here's, what you need. Here's what we need to know. This is a fundamental fact now. Get it down. This isn't about you anymore. This isn't about you, it's not just about you. Now there's another person in here and the decisions and, the, and everything that you do from this point going forward needs to be considered what they want, what they feel, what they enjoy, what they like. So you have got, Don't we call them a ball hog. People that just hang on to the thing, we've not let it go. And people do this, number one, because they're either selfish or they do not trust who they're about to pass the ball to look at this on the side screen every relationship moves at the speed of trust I'm giving you a fundamental you say pastor this is really simple stuff but this is what lands people into marriage counseling situations after being married 20 and 30 years the counselor keeps taking them back to you're being selfish you have trust issues with this individual why won't you turn that over to them My mother was an accountant, my sister, a comptroller, looked after the quality of financial accounting in a very large company in Indianapolis, Indiana. And my mom did taxes and all that kind of stuff, bookkeeper, all that kind of stuff. I loved math growing up. At the age of 11 and 12, my mom taught me double and single entry bookkeeping, old journaling with a number two pencil Now, for those of you that are CPA or accounting backgrounds, the first accounting program that I worked with was an accounting program called Peachtree. That'll bring you all the way, yeah, yeah, that'll bring you all the way back. So I learned that when I was young. So handling finances and all that, reconciliations and all, no problem with me. I loved it, enjoyed it. And when I first got married, Anna was 17 and a half years old. I was 18 and a half years old. We both knew that we wanted to serve the Lord, Uh, We both knew that, you know, we we had a life ahead of us. We loved each other very much. We were gonna wait a little bit longer, but she couldn't keep her hands off of me. So we had to... (laughs) She's watching this service from home. Hi, baby. Have a sweet You know I'm kidding, honey, come on. So, so, man, we jumped into marriage. And, and, And I'm working, working a job and a half. And, uh, and I'm handling the finances and all that kind of, right? the bills, paying the bills. And, and she's like, hey, we got any money for this? I'm like, ah, not this month. How about now? We got any money for that? No, no, I don't really have any money. for that. You got some money I can go there? Yeah, yeah, you can, you, here's a little bit of money. And, and so I kind of would put her on an allowance, right? That's weird. Yeah, don't clap yet, because you don't know where I'm going. <laughs> Been in our late 20s. <laughs> In our late 20s, I was working a job and a half, ministry, all of that, all the things. She already had both of our babies, and, we, we, we did. and I said to her, I said, hey, you like to take over the finances? Now, she didn't like math, but she is extremely organized. And I, she said, well, yeah, you give me, show me a little bit. So I showed her a little bit how to do it. And since the age of 27, 28, whatever it was, she took over our finances and handled our finances since then. Listen to me, I'm 63 years old. I do not carry a debit card. I do not know what color the checkbook is or if we still even have one. I get an allowance every month and that allowance has got to, and I am 63 years old and our finances and our investments and the decisions we made have been driven by somebody. Watch that I pass the ball to when I was in my 20s. Man, your relationship is only going to move at the speed of trust. And there must be. Well, I've been hurt in the past. I don't care. This ain't the past. But well, you don't know what so-and-so did to me. I don't care. It's not them. It's just her. I, I, I don't, you know, last time I had a relationship like this, we had a divorce and I lost everything. Okay, well, you planning on getting a divorce. You shouldn't have married this person. Keep them outside the gate. But you let them in. When you give somebody your heart, you don't have to worry about giving them your money. They got your money. When you give somebody your heart, you don't have to worry about giving them your future, your time, your enjoyment, your your excitement. They've got that because once they've got your heart, they got all the rest. The issue is trust. And trust will always keep a relationship from winning. I'm not giving you the ball if I don't trust you. Once I give it to you, you shoot it, and if you shoot it, hit something with it but I'm trusting you and I'll cheerlead you for a while. This is a fundamental that wrecks marriage. Listen, we've seen marriages go through stuff these last two years through the pandemic, 30, 35 year long marriages, and all of a sudden they're struggling because they faced issues we, they thought they would never face. And now they're questioning one another, how are we gonna get through this? What are we gonna do? And it's a basic, you give somebody your heart, you give them everything. You give them trust and decide Who's going to carry the ball when it comes to this issue? Number three, practice communication. Now, you go, come on. Pastor, we come to church on Sunday morning for you to talk to us about the importance of talking to each other like we don't know that. Well, it's a fundamental that I, we see a lot of people don't, don't understand. You see, what happens when a wife gets mad at her husband? What, what happens? She shuts down. What happens when a man gets married, mad at at a woman, what does he do? Even if he's a big talker, he'll shut it down. He'll go to his man cave. He'll get out of the room, right? So, what happens when that ha- communication stops? Now, if you're going to win and move forward as a husband and wife, you've got to communicate. It doesn't matter how mad you are. Who's going to get the kids? Who's going by the grocery store? Are you picking up dinner tonight? Are you making it home? You've got to keep some level of communication going. But there are times when marriage has hit this Catch-22 where she ain't going to say nothing first. He ain't going to say nothing first. You better apologize. I'm never talking to you again. Well, you better apologize. It's your fault. I'm never talking to you again. I heard about this couple that were in that kind of Catch-22. He wasn't talking and she wasn't talking. So he had a big idea. He thought, man, I'll tell you, I know how to get her talking. So the next morning, she would get up and go to work for So He wrote a note to her. And the note said, honey, would you wake me up at 7 o'clock tomorrow morning? so I can go to work before you leave. Put that note by the coffee pot. 8.15 the next morning, she's gone, and he's still asleep. He wakes up, finds a note beside his pillow. It's 7 o'clock, honey. Wake up. (laughs) Communication. Communication to be able to talk, to be able to talk about what's going on in your life, what's going on, what you need at different seasons of your life. We've been married for 45 years. What's life going to look like now? And to be able to continually communicate back and forth because there are things in life that change and people change based on seasons of life that you didn't see those coming and you don't know how to deal with them unless there's great communication between both of you. Look at this, what blood is to the body, communication is to a relationship. That's not only true with men and women, it's also true when it comes to us and God. Number four, play good D. Play good D. Your progress must be protected. Look at it this way whatever is gained has to be maintained. One of the great descriptors of God in the Bible is that God is a defender. That God defends his children. He defends the, the blessings that he puts in our life. And when it comes to what God has given me, when it comes to this relationship, I'm going to defend my home. I'm going to defend my family. I don't care what laws are being made. I don't care what the left's saying about the right, the right's saying about the left. None of that plays into the role that I play in defending my home and my family. And I'm going to defend my relationship with my wife. I'm going to defend it. Now, there are two ways that I'm going to defend it. Number one, I'm going to watch my actions very carefully when I am around other women. Let me talk to my brothers in here. I'm going to make sure that I am never vulgar, that I am never crude, that I am am never in a way that my wife would say, hey, I don't like how you were around that woman. I don't want her to ever have to question me about that. I'm going, I don't want the woman that I am dealing with to feel anything less to me than a sister in Christ or to a mother in Christ. I'm gonna make sure that conversation's right. I'm gonna make sure that if there's a hug. It's kind of sideways and brotherly kind of right. I'm gonna make sure that there's never a time. To, listen, I'm gonna defend my relationship with Anna by being very careful how I act around other people. Because more than anything else, I am a born-again child, man of God, and I never want my wife to be disrespected because of the way that I am treating or talking to another female on this planet. Now, you say, well, that's not our culture because our culture is this, and women flirt back, and women get tips on the golf course or driving a golf cart. And you know how many old, disgusting old men I've seen flirt with a 22-year-old girl driving a golf cart, and she kind of flirts back because she doesn't care anything at all about him, but she wants more money on the tip. And he thinks he's still got it going on. You don't still got it going on. You are, can be you can be a great man of God, but don't be a disgusting old coot. They do not find you attractive. They find your wallet attractive. <laughs> man, that's not even in my notes. I don't even. Well, let me take a break here for a second. I need to. You go, well, Where is that in the Bible, pastor? Sure it is. First Timothy chapter five, verse two, treat older women as you would your mother. Treat younger women, look at that, with all purity as you would your own sisters. You know how a man of God will stand out from all the other men on this planet? I can't look at that. I got daughters that age. I, I'm not looking, I got a granddaughter. I, I have a granddaughter who's 24. Can you believe that? I'm not going to talk to somebody like I'm not going to be crude. I'm not going to say things that are, that are off color. I'm not going to do that. And that's what the Bible says. If you're, I, I am, if for you females in this church, I love you. I love the time we have in the lobby, the time we have on the side. On the, you know one of my favorite places in this church? In our lobby and on the sidewalk. Sometimes when I'm on the sidewalk after a service, I feel like a Disney character running around, hassling people, you know, making sure. If you, if you ignore me on the sidewalk out there, I will chase you all the way to your car so I can connect with you. I'll teach you. But that, we're just aggravating brothers and sisters to each other. We love each other. We got each other's back. But at the same time, I don't want a thing from you. Never have, never will. And that's how men ought to treat other women when it comes to them not being your wives. So, so, there, so, so it's how you treat other people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play good D by also investing into the relationship that I have with my wife after 45 years. I'm still going to take her on trips. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pour into her. When she got my heart, she didn't have to ask for my wallet. She got that too. But I get, we have people that come to our office and they need marriage counseling and most of them come way too late, way too late. Somebody's already shut down, the wall's already gone up or there's a triangle involved now because there wasn't enough tension given earlier. I mean, and then you go, really, why did you wait so long to make an investment? Now the man is crushed and he's in a pile in the middle of the floor. Now he wants to listen. Now he wants to figure this thing out because he's about to lose her and lose everything. She's so crushed because of what has happened, might be something minor, but still it's an ongoing thing, so now it walls up in front of her heart, and you can't even talk to her. Her body language says, I'm done, because they didn't invest. And these same men, I'll go, what are you driving? I drive a F-350. What'd you pay for that? About $65,000. Uh-huh. You take care of it, yep, wash it every week, yep, fill it up with diesel every week, yep. Mm-hmm. So you're 65,000 and probably another 2,000 a year, you probably got $80,000 cash invested into a truck to keep it running. What have you invested in your relationship? You ever gone to a counselor? No. Nope. You go on date nights? No. How about your last vacation? What do you do for fun? Have you invested into any kind of hobbies? Nah. And you're wondering why? Your truck's running and your marriage isn't. That was in the notes. Okay, so there you go. (laughs) And here's the last fundamental. And please listen to this pray persistent prayers. I don't want to ever guilt trip anybody in here, but how important is prayer life when it comes to your relationship? Because all these things that I'm talking about as far as fundamentals <clears throat> don't come to us naturally. You are gonna pick the right person. You're going to need divine intervention to pick that right person. You're going to learn how to pass the ball when you've been playing 20, 25 years by yourself and you've never passed the ball to anybody. I have trust issues. That's going to take divine intervention. See, many of God's kids, when it comes to their marriage, practices what Dallas Willard called vampire Christianity. Now, vampire Christianity. That's a Christianity that says, Jesus, give me your blood, but nothing else. Allow me to live out my uh, my life with my direction and without yours, without divine input into my life. You gave me this life, but let me decide what to do with it on my own without you. And when that doesn't work and it won't work, give me your blood to forgive me of my sins and to cleanse my consciousness. And the Savior says, I don't even want just to be your Savior. I want to be your leader. I want to lead your life and lead your marriage and help you all along the way. And I've learned that I can't get to the next level without allowing him to lead me and to lead my marriage. The question is, are you praying for your husband? Are you praying for your wife? I did not say, are you praying about your husband or about your wife? You go, well, pastor, what's the difference? Father, my husband still ain't doing this and ain't doing that, and you know how he's acting. And he hurt my feelings the other father. That's praying about him. Praying for him is, Father, I don't know what kind of appreciation he gets at the workplace. I'm not sure what's happening there or what his friendships are there, or if he's got any friends at all. But I know he works hard. And after this pandemic, I know he, some of his dreams got taken off the table. And what I'm seeing in my husband is he's angry. I'm seeing that he's unhappy. Please help my husband. You're praying for your wife. And the women's biggest issues today are unhappiness and insecurity in a culture that blasts and hammers your personal security and self-worth. I need somebody, to, women, I need somebody to tell me I'm pretty, I'm beautiful, and I'm still okay. I need my husband to tell me after 35 years, 40 years, that he still loves me. I need to be told when I get ready to go to church that he likes I curl my hair, the dress I'm wearing. I just need to be built up. And Father, bless my wife. Help her with her insecurities. Meet her need and heal her from the top of her head to the bottom of her feet. And make her dreams come true. And if I could be part of making her dreams come true, I'm in. I'm in. Every morning after 45 years of marriage, by the way, I met Anna in a Christian school. When I went to Florida, uh, lived there for a few years, and then we... We moved to Fort Worth, Texas. I was a junior in high school. Nobody knew me at all. Anna had grown up there. She was a cheerleader, although she was a shy cheerleader. Everybody knew my wife. I walked into a cafeteria. hadn't met any of the players yet. had a tray of food. And uh, she was sitting over there. Had some cheerleaders around her, some people that knew her. And everybody knew her. And she looked at me, and she kind of nodded her head and saved you a seat this sweet kind gentle quiet brown-eyed brunette stole my heart she saved me a seat I saved her a seat in my car and my truck ever since but after 45 years and being best friends and she is my best friend We still take our corners every morning. I get up and I go to my corner. I get God's Word normally through an iPad because I can make the print bigger. (laughs) Y'all relate, y'all relate to that right there, don't you? Who can see that? How you, you can't see that. Don't even act like you can. I get my coffee, I get my Bible i got a couple of preachers I like to listen to. I'm up normally an hour, hour and a half for her. When I hear her stirring in there, I go to the coffee pot and I make her, every morning I make her a cup of coffee. She'll stay in her bedroom or she'll come to the dining room table and she's got her iPad and her Bible. She's got you Version Bible where it reads to her. She's got a couple of pastors she likes listening to. Ask me if I talk to her first thing in the morning. No. I do not, because she hasn't had time with Heavenly Father. Ask her if she talks to me early in the morning, and the answer is no, because we're both in our corners. And after we come out of our corner praying for our family, praying for our kids, our grandkids, praying for each other, praying for the day, praying for what service we're going to give the Lord today, Praying for our dreams, our goals, whether or not we're selling a house. What are we doing? We're going up in square footage. We're going down in square footage. Where are we going on vacation? How are we going to do this? Praying for our church family, praying for you. Then we come together. And after 45 years, we're still boyfriend and girlfriend. She'd still save me a seat. She still has a seat in my truck. Ask me if I've controlled the radio on my truck or the temperature in my truck for the last 45 years. (laughs) Ask me. Go ahead and ask me. Okay, you know. I never want to bring any kind of conviction in here. That's the Holy Spirit's job. I want to bring information. I want to make believers think and thinkers believe. Are you one of those? I'm telling you, you can have the best relationship you've ever dreamed possible on this planet. But it won't be without mastering the fundamentals. Mastering the fundamentals. Let's bow. Father God, we love you so very much and thank you so much for loving us. This is always, always a very touchy subject because there are people in here whose hearts have been broken because of relationships that have not gone the way we want them to go. And I'm asking, Father, today that no one would leave here today going, well, you know, the past, or I blew it or whatever. No, this is information for today. And I pray, Father, that you would just please heal hearts. I pray that women who have had their hearts walled would now just put a gate there. Communicate over the top of the gate. There's still safety. There's still protection. To be cautious. Sure, you said to do that, but not to wall it. I pray for marriages that have gone through a very hard time these last two years. This whole COVID thing has brought on challenges that we never even imagined possible into our relationships. Father, I pray that the men in here would be men of God who would pray for their wives and let them hear it. Women in here would be women of God who would cheerlead and pray for their husbands and let them hear it and melt this man's heart and this man's woman together and melt the heart of a woman who has been broken, a man who has been devastated, so that they might be open once again through the power of the Holy Spirit to something really cool and fun, someone who's really cool and really fun. In Jesus' name, amen. I love you. Y'all get out of here now. We'll see y'all later.
4: Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Christ your Lord and Savior, I want to give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And you can do this right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I am a sinner and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins, and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life, and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, we would love to celebrate with you. Please text us at heaven and 94,000 to get in contact with one of our staff where we can answer any questions that you may have. Also, if you're in need of prayer, we would love to support you. You could submit your prayer requests by texting prayer support to 94,000 as well. Our prayer team will receive your request and immediately start covering you. If this was your first time experiencing Fellowship Church or if you want to learn more about one of our many ministries, you can text fellowship to 94,000 to connect with our staff. As always, we are still just a phone call away. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY with any questions. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week in person or online.